I welcome you all to this webinar on aspects of valuation, challenges, and reality, as well as distressed valuation. FMA International's mission is to serve the global finance community by promoting the development and understanding of applied research and sound financial practices. I would like to introduce the speakers now. So today we have with us Mr. Saptarshi Chatterjee, Equity Research Analyst at Centrum India, who has also passed the CFA Level 3 exam and is also an IIM Indore having around four years of expertise in valuation. So it is an honor to have you as the first speaker of our webinar series. We also have with us Mr. Himanshu Aroda, who is a senior financial analyst at Amazon and is an IM and LBS alumni, having around five years of experience in various financial domains. We'll first have Mr. Saptarshi talk about valuation and its challenges in reality, after which Mr. Himanshu will take up the topic of distressed valuation. Over to you, sir. Yeah, good morning, everyone. So I will first talk about the valuations as a normal companies on a going concern basis. So first is on a world basis, which are the top three highest market cap companies in the world. Apple and Microsoft, Saudi Aramco, these are the, among the top three highest market cap companies. Here, the most of the companies which are frequently coming in top 15 list is are the tech companies. Now coming to India, which are top three highest market cap companies in India? Yeah, Reliance, TCS, Infosys, and also HDFC Bank. These are a couple of names that come in the highest market cap companies. But if you look very closely, then you will find that the financials are leading the table. If we see Nifty 50, then mostly financials and consumer. And these two spaces cover roughly around 65% of the total Nifty index in terms of weight. Now, here I'd like to point out something that if you see globally, then tech companies are leading because the uh, assumptions of tech companies for future years cash flows are very, very high. In case of India, we have similar tech companies, but none of them are having a scale of like worldwide or none of them are very unique in nature. We have companies like Oyo, Ola, Flipkart. These companies are kind of a duplicate of ideas. But still, they have a good prospect, but they have not yet been able to have a global scale. And therefore, they are, uh, that is one reason. Second reason is none of these high valuation startup companies are listed yet. We are seeing an era where these uh, tech companies are getting listed, Zomato getting filing for DRHP. Basically, what we're saying that in terms of valuation methodologies, we have four kind of methodologies that we have. One is a replacement value or liquidation value, which is, I'm saying, for companies which are in a distress, which are like not in a going concern, they're facing some kind of a bankruptcy, some kind of a closure of business, or I'm selling the business. Then. Many times what happens is if my business is not viable, if my business is not sufficient to generate future cash flows for the growth, then I have to sell based on the assets that I have. And then assets will be liquidated, similar kind of valuation or what is the replacement value if I replace that business with its similar assets. So that is kind of a valuation that we use in kind of for this business. But for most of the companies in the universe, when we are talking about a going concern basis, the other methods are one is relative to something. So relative to maybe a listed company space or relative to the valuations which is given in transactions. These two spaces, these are easier methods to understand, easier methods to apply. 
but also I'll show some of the challenges for theory. And then I'll come to DCF method and their applicability in DCF sensitivity and everything. So when I come to relative valuations, so a couple of metrics that we use for different sectors are like market cap to sales, price to earnings, price to book value, EVA beta. There are many, many such kind of ratios. But we will talk about which ratios are important where and how to use them. You will see that there are seven different sectors and for different sectors we use different multiples. Like let's say if I talk about lenders, banking and NBFCs, we use generally price to book value. Why? Because in banking and lenders, what is the driver of earnings is the actual loan book, which lies on the balance sheet. And then from the balance sheet, you can also know what is their leverage. So balance sheet is something which is driving their interest income and interest expenses. Also some bit of credit cost from that loan book itself and therefore net income. So my driver for the earnings is my balance sheet. Therefore I use price to book value. Also you will see that there are many companies, many sectors where earnings can be volatile. Earnings can be very cyclical in nature. Therefore, if I use price to earning for one year, that can be seeming very erratic. But let's go one by one and see what are the things that you should keep in mind. So talking about market cap to sales. So I have taken a company. Okay, we have taken a company. Let's say we are in between the year 2014 and 15. I'll just spell out the indexes. So this is this chart is showing that market cap to sales is lying around closer to two. But in at the middle of 2014, it seems for a long period of time, market cap to sales is hovering around 1.5 and between two. So if I am trying to value this company in the middle of 2014, what I will try, I will try to project the revenue in coming years and I will apply, let's say 1.8x market cap to sales. And therefore, I understand, okay, this is the valuation of the company. This is current price, whether it's undervalued or overvalued, right? So then what I'm saying is in terms of historical average, you can see 1.8x seeming that very close. We have gone next three years. Now we are in 2017. I thought market cap to sales should be around close to 2x, 1.8 to 2x, but it has become 4x. It has become double of that. What a miss. Like I could have doubled my money if let's say revenue is growing at some percentages and market cap to sales is getting doubled. So it is getting re-rated. Then I could have doubled my money. But because I have taken the historical average of close to 2x, I was I was doing a wrong thing. Now it seems that okay, maybe we can take 4x as a market cap to sales. So in 2017, at the end of 2017, we think, okay, the company is re-rated. Let me value it by at 4x market cap to sales. So I'm again projecting market cap to sales for next couple of years, three, four years. And I am applying 4x market cap to sales. Now that 4x is becoming around 6 plus x, 6x to 8x market cap to sales. So what is happening? Why I am going wrong? Is it always increasing? Is it always decreasing? What are the factors? So if you see closely, 
then someone let's say at the end of 2014 in the below table we will see that revenue sales is somewhere around 6900 right if i had correctly projected revenue to 13000 in fy21 march 21 let's say i am a very good at projections i project that revenue at 13000 still i do not know at what market cap to sales will i go right one thing you will notice is that between fy14 my operating margin was 9% it became more than doubled in fy21 so someone who had only projected revenue and applied market cap to sales was wrong in valuations if someone could have rightly projected also operating margins then maybe it was better then maybe he would actually know what was the earnings growth so this is the fallacy of market cap to sales that you will have an understanding of uh, how the revenue projections for a couple of years but if you do not know about the margins then you may go wrong but still we use market cap to sales for various companies where let's say we are using for a startup company where revenue is growing at a high growth rates but because they are applying a lot of expenses at the upfronted years my pat is negative less for the next 5 years also my pat will be negative so i how will i project i can't do right because then i will have to do on market cap to sales only just to elaborate on that same company which we were showing earlier when market cap to sales went up from 2 to close to 8 you will see that at the end of 2014-15 my price to earnings was close to around 40 45 if i fast forward to 2021 if i have rightly projected my earnings then my pe has oscillated but it is again in the range of 40 only it is again in the back in the range of 40 so my price to earnings have not changed much so if i have rightly projected my earnings it seems that using price to earnings is a better method than market cap to sales now i'll talk about what are the challenges for price to earnings itself similar example similar exercise again here we're seeing another company at the end of 2014 price to earnings it seems closer to 45 and 50 this line is around 50 close to 50 lakh so therefore it seems that 2014 in between my price to earning is 45 so when i am trying to project for say let's next decade i am trying to project the earnings then i'll project earnings and i'll apply let's say a market cap of 45 it seems okay i'll apply a market cap of 45 now see here that 45 has become close to 75 so p itself price to earning can also derate and even stay there it can also even derate and stay there so then the question is even price to earnings that we apply if i do so someone like i was in the opinion that earlier i'll use a long term average three year average of price to earning five year average of price to earning i'd use one company to value a company but when i went on going to do that i saw that this price to earning itself is very very volatile they can itself re-rate or derate so what price to earnings will i take and even there is another company where i'll show that this price to earning till 2019 it was in the range of 30 now it has become close to 20 and it seems it is going to be there for it was for 30 plus for a long long period of time almost a decade then it becomes derated so the point is pe can also re-rate or derate so what 
we should one take. So what is then the driving forces for breast to arms? So these are the three driving forces that we have majorly. One is the earnings growth. Second is return on capital, either return on equity or return on the capital employed. And third is output. So first thing I'll talk about return on capital. So everyone familiar with Gordon growth model? I hope everyone is familiar with the Gordon growth model where you say that the price of any stock that they said is a discounted values of all the dividends. Therefore, price is like dividend by discount minus growth rate. If we elaborate this formula, what I come to know is that basically my dividend is payout ratio into earnings and payout ratio is 1 minus growth rate by ROE. This is called the sustainable growth rate. Sustainable growth rate is basically my retention rate into ROE. For any company on a mathematical basis, if we see price to earning is basically 1. It's a justified price to earnings is 1 minus growth by ROE divided by discount by ROE. This is the formula I'm talking about. So you will see here if ROE goes up, if ROE goes up, then G by ROE goes down because let's say if X is going up, 1 by X is coming down. So if X is going up, ROE is going up, G by ROE comes down. But 1 minus G by ROE again goes up. So which means that if very simply put, if any company is generating higher return on equity, I'll give them higher multiple. It is very simple. Let's say any business. Today, I'll put 10 rupees on that business. If tomorrow that business is going to give me, let's say, 2 rupees on that business. So it's a 20% ROE versus another business. If I put 10 rupees and that is giving me 4 rupees in return. So it's a 40% ROE business. So I'll obviously prefer 4 rupees 40% ROE business than this 2 rupees 20% ROE. So that is the thing. When I'm preferring that thing because I'm giving higher value to this. So that is on ROE. The next thing that is more important for most of the companies is the growth. Now growth, you'll see the formula, it was in demeter and denominator both. So what should I do? We'll try to plot the growth rates for a long period of time and their multiple. And you see that this is kind of a rising graph. It's always a rising graph, which means the higher the earnings growth, the better the multiple. So therefore, I will again prefer the higher growth rate company. So number one, see that two things, the higher the growth, the better, the higher the return on capital, the better. The third aspect is outlook, how competitive mode the business has. Any business can have higher or lower competitive advantage over the peers. Let's say if I talk about HDFC Bank, it seems that HDFC Bank, Kotak Bank, much higher competitive advantage over all other banks. Let's say I'm taking another bank, South Indian Bank. If I compare these two, my outlook is much, much better than all other banks. So for any company, what is a matter is three things. One is growth, one is return, one is outlook. Any, for any company, if you are thinking that the growth will be better in future, the return on capital will be better in future, and future outlook, the, the company is having higher technological innovations, higher computing advantage, or having higher prospectors, higher customer base. 
anything which is better and not captured by the normal investors that's an attractive thing for all of us so you try to see whether i'm saying these are the driving forces but let's see how this matters okay this is a company where you will see that last 10 years profit growth was 10% when i was in 2014-15 that company was at 45 kind of 45-50 p right if i fast forward in 2021 that company is at 75 price to earnings so price to earnings have related why because you will see that last 10 years profit growth was 10 percent but the recent profit growth of last five years is 19 percent double of that so when i see in let's say in the end of 2014 for next five years if i see that my growth rate will get doubled then obviously my pe will get increased by how much we don't know but it will be increased so that's a very clear sign that we have here next part is for the same company the same example everything is same but i am focusing more in very recent time, last three years so last five years i have shown that my growth has been doubled so my pe got related but now last three years you can see that last five years growth is 19 percent last three years growth is also 19 percent which means growth have not changed for last three years versus five years growth has not changed but if you see december 2013 to 15 there was a high increase right so what to do what to happen here is basically you will see the roce return on capital so december 2018 return on capital employed increased from 57 to 71 and it went on to increasing to close to 140 percent 139 which means if i have a sense that my return on capital of the business eventually will get higher then it's, it will give a sense that it should always re-rate which means that if my operating leverage is going to play out if i see that my business does not require incremental capital so much so it can grow its own earnings which means my return on capital will increase the higher the return on capital in future the higher the pe i will give the third thing i will want to talk about is the outlook now in terms of outlook how outlook can change everything you will see that the numbers are not changing nothing in terms of is changing but suddenly the outlook of a company can be changed very drastically one example we have is let's say angel broking angel broking this is before the last quarter like this march quarter on call we were having one kind of scenario where we are thinking angel to be a broker it's a it's going to be a second or third place in brokers but it is having a good growth rates maybe profits will grow at 15 20 percent in coming years but again broking industry is very vulnerable very volatile so we are not so much in in favor so you see that the my price to book value it did not change so much for angel broking but suddenly in the first week of may after the book on call the price to book has increased many fold why why it is happening is because they have a new ceo this guy comes from earlier experiences from uber amazon google what what this guy is saying is that this new ceo is saying that he will make this company as the largest broker of india not only that he will make the company as the largest fintech company of india and they are applying for an amc license 
which means that they will not be only broker they will also be like mutual funds like asset managers and their product basket will increase significantly because this guy is coming from a very good experience of all the tech companies maybe there is an outlook that maybe this company will be able to increase their tech applications multifold and data analytics on the huge number of customers that they have which means the entire outlook earlier it was a broker at maybe second third place now the outlook largest fintech companies largest kind of a technology based asset managers it's a different outlook altogether which means this company is much superior this outlook is much superior than the earlier and therefore it makes sense that i should get a rating from you now coming to a last kind of bit is in a field market cap to sales we have seen uh, price to earnings but both seemed volatile which means both can deteriorate deteriorate if i am let's say at 25 p for a company for future days i understand that growth will be maybe better my roc will be better outlook will be better but then what price to earnings will i apply or what market cap to sales will i apply so then comes it should be slightly more quantitative in nature so basically here i am trying to show a large model so it's a dcf model what i am trying to project is basically free cash flows for a company for next 30 years and so i am projecting from fy21 to fy50 next 30 years why not beyond 30 years so even if you ask any management company no one is really very very clear on how the future will look like beyond 15 20 years if someone is saying that they can envisage next 100 years either he is a genius he really can see it or he is saying nonsense most probably i have seen warren buffet saying that he can predictively say the future cash flows for next 100 years i hope that i will say it's like why he is able to see those 100 years for many companies that's why he is avoiding the tech companies because in tech companies they cannot see so much volatile it's so much changing in nature they it's very difficult to envisage for next 100 years what will happen to the business so maybe therefore it is better to focus on the businesses where predictability is very high here what i'm trying to say is let's say i'm having a business where it is growing at a certain rate and why i'm trying to show this is this is not kind of free cash flow this is for a lender so uh, we have talked about many times in industry is the companies bajaj finance why i'm taking this example is i have talked that bajaj finance is at 8x 9x price to book and it seemed that very very overvalued right but i'll show you the assumptions of dcf and then someone can understand whether how much is overvaluation or realistic valuation is there so you see that my growth rate is close to around 24% till fy25 then 20 15 10 for next 3 decades is it possible i think yes because given that they have only 4 and 1/2 crore customers okay out of the total base total prospective customers is at least they have talked about at least kind of customer base of 30 to 40 crore in next 3 decades so where they are at 10% of that 
secondly they have a very correct visions of how they will include the products if you see last 10 years they have included various different products to, to cater different needs of customers they have started with one or two kind of products now today they have at least 40 plus kind of product bookings so which means these companies continuously innovating continuously expanding markets and they are continuously striving for better earnings better margins now if this company has a huge growth runway and he is focused on the growth then maybe 2015 10 is not very difficult for them for a company which has shown 35% cagr for last couple of years and if i apply a terminal of 8% then at a cost of equity of 12 and half for india is thought to be market rate of return somewhere between 12 and 13% if i have these kind of assumptions then my justified or kind of price to book implied in my valuation comes to around between 8.5 and 9x so in reverse we can say if market is giving it 8.5 to 9x which means that they are assuming these kind of assumptions most probably if your assumption is different from it if you are thinking no this kind of growth rate is not possible my assumption is very different so you will sell them if your assumption is aggressive than this which means that you will think okay this is much higher than this then you will buy them one another example is so what it gives is you can see that this dcf if you have very certain kind of value what is to be the value from the future cash flow and therefore implied price to earnings this implied price to earnings can be similar to market can be higher but it will give you a sense and when you will see the interviews of most of the fund managers in the industry you will see that they talk about they have a valuation framework similar to this where they discount the future cash flows and if the future cash flows are higher in nature they are growing at a certain rate then they will give a certain valuation to that company even if that price to earnings is not matching the current price to earnings and that is why that is why the real investment geniuses come where they pick stocks which are very undervalued when they pick a stock owner which that is undervalued no then the price to earnings or these multiples are very low the earnings are also very low so no one expects that growth will be this much higher return will be this much higher but if someone is able to envisage that okay my growth and return is going to be this and if i do a discounted values of all these then my value comes at least to be this now the key here the key here is if this is a very credible method if the inputs are controlled the major problem here is the terminal value what kind of assumptions you are taking and similarly what kind of initial years assumptions you are also taking these are two having major impacts you will see that if you change any of these inputs by 1% the sensitivity is very high if i change my what 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 it is cost of capital or growth rate or any of these inputs my sensitivity is very high so the key here is if i keep my inputs very very conservative not very conservative that it seems very realistic not realistic so then then it will apply a very low discounting rate which means it is like very safe like a bond very safe like government bonds so that one buffet have talked about that they generally value companies very conservatively 
and then they apply sovereign bond rate as a discounting rate because they say that this much future cash flows so any which ways is possible any which way seems realistic so let's let me discount it at a very low rate and that will give you a kind of a modest or conservative kind of a valuation if my current valuation is lower than that with a margin then okay it is undervalued so the key here is it dcx gives you a better view of what the valuations can be only if you can correctly project the future cash flows right and your inputs are more secure in nature more predictable in nature and therefore you will prefer by similar logic you will prefer the companies where you can predictably understand the inputs predictably say which what the value of the inputs will be and therefore there is no surprise that all these companies that one who fails chose is not technology companies because they could not uh, correct the inputs in a correct fashion because inputs were not very much uh, you know correct way to be predicted for tech companies now uh, i'm coming to another company this is everyday industries everyday is a producer of batteries small double a triple a batteries right and this is kind of a necessary product so batteries generally they are used for various like clocks and various products so these are kind of necessary there is no different different replacement of the product i try to do one similar dcf exercise the growth rate i am taking very very low because you will see that last many many years the growth rate has been very low till fy19 the growth rate was 5% for sales so for next many years i have taken the growth rate to be 4% and then 3% kind of and then terminal to be even much lower than gdp because earlier also it has grown much lower than gdp so if i am saying my gdp will grow at a 6% rate earlier if my gdp was growing at a 10% nominal gdp growth rate this company has given a sales rate of 5% so half of the gdp if for next let's say 30 years if i'm saying it will again grow maybe half of gdp so if i'm saying nominal gdp of 6% i am taking close to around 2 and half 3% kind of a growth rate so it's a broad broad in nature then if i apply all of these in the models it comes to me that maybe it's a 19 20 pe if you see the stock it is around 16 17 pe and here i'm saying that you will see that my assumptions are more or less conservative in nature so it seems to me that maybe it will be between 20 to 25 pe so dcf gives me another range of pe where it should lie so my assumption maybe my understanding is maybe it should be at least in 2025 pe the company is available at 17 pe therefore it seems to me as a clear case of undervaluation okay now i'll just give you all of these models and calculations long long spreadsheets i have shown but i'll try to give you something that when asked about this kind of thing so what if i follow stuff where i'm quoting him is anyone you will see all fund managers quote that present value of all the cash flows are the much better method than any of the multiples multiples are useful that gives you some sense but then if you can really discount the present values of all the cash flows that gives you a much clearer sense but that requires a valuation model and everything many guys understand that from itself like without having a calculators people can really understand whether how much valuation gap is there the question is how because it seems that long long model is necessary right 
so what we have talked about is free cash flows free cash flows is basically no pat which is a bit one minus tax rate plus depreciation minus fixed capex minus change in return capital this formula maybe you all of are familiar with now i'm having next three years different growth projections and some of the terminal growth rates and i'll give you a multiple what it really turns out to be it's like if i input these all numbers first one two four five columns if i input first five columns in my dcf model then what is the price to free cash flow right free cash flow of today let's say free cash flow of today is 100 rupees then if i have assumption of all these then what will be my price to free cash flow for today so i'll give an example let's say for today first row i'm saying 12% is my cost of capital and for next three decades my growth rates are 8 6 and 4 percentage terminal to be 3 if i have any kind of assumption for a company then from the model it turns out that price to free cash flow is closer to 18 so if my free cash flow today is 100 100 crore then i'll understand okay this is if this is my assumptions maybe my valuation would be close to around 1800 crore if the company is available to me let's say 500 crore there's a big gap of undervaluation it seems to be. similarly it's a it's a very good table next I'll, I'll not go for all the inputs but i would like to focus on next input which is basically 12 percent cost of capital and growth rate for next year is 10 8 and 6. if we see india very closely yeah, it seems that for next decade, maybe the nominal GDP growth rate will be in this region. So if I'm trying to value India, India's indices, it seems that for indices, if GDP growth rate for next three decades can be 10, 8, and 6, if I use a discounting rate of 12% and terminal of 5%, then it gives a 25 times price to free cash flows. So it seems that if I have a free cash flow of Nifty, today and if this is my assumption then generally if i apply 25 times of nifty's today's free cash flow then it gives me a kind of a valuation range for nifty itself now why i've written the formula upper hand you will see that here the capex and depreciation can be cancelling out each other let's say the companies which are which does not require incremental capital for growth and whatever capital they require is kind of a maintenance capital maintenance capital means whatever is a depreciation happens in a year they need similar capital to put in the business so generally depreciation and capex are same so they cancel out each other and let's say going forward there is no change in networking capital of all the nifty companies then the last three terms become zero so effectively my free cash flow becomes no part all last three terms become zero or intuitively you can say that then my close to net income if there is debt free also my net income is then again similar to free cash flows my free cash flow is my net income so then nifty should trade at with these assumptions nifty should trade at 25p i will show how nifty pe has actually uh, fared but this is kind of range always remember nifty currently is around 35 but because earnings are depressed the denominator is depressed but for a long period of time nifty has been from 18 to close to 25 to 627p so this is the range and that changes based on these assumptions itself so from the valuation perspective it is not difficult to build a model 
it is not difficult to understand the long term averages but what is difficult is what kind of predictions we make for the inputs because my inputs will determine what is the valuation we have it is just one excerpt that from bashar had a letter that they said that they generally do not try to pick companies which will be emerging as a very good company currently the company is not so good but that will emerge as a very good company and therefore i'll try to value it no they don't do it they say that it's not in our core competence why because they try to have companies where they have a long history of consistency if i have a long history of consistency then i can very well predict the future so going forward it becomes very much predictable how the future earnings and the return of this company becomes so these are the companies which are having high competitive advantage and given a strong track record of delivery there my prediction power of future earnings and future return becomes very high so there basically what i'm saying is my inputs are secured if i have i'm having higher prediction power on the inputs my dcf will give me a better judgment on the valuation then therefore i will choose the company which are having a higher track record this is one style of investing there are other style of investing mostly in kind of private equities what they use is a different because they invest in startups they invest in early stage companies there you have to understand how the future will look like and that is not predictable no one knows the better you are able to understand it the better valuation gap you can achieve okay so lastly what i am trying to cover is valuation is more than an excel model more than your inputs it is like how you see the future itself for next 10 15 20 15 years the better you are able to see correctly from others better you will have on valuations that is number 1 number 2 is profitability and consistency how profitable and consistent the companies are a company which is having 10% return on capital versus a company which is having 40% return on capital this 40% is much more valuable than this 10% again if this 40% companies or let's say any companies both are 10% return on capital but this here we have higher competitive advantage higher consistency higher track record for a long period of time i'll prefer this company so we'll see some companies which are not yet very high return not very high growth rate still enjoy high valuations because they have a high competitive advantage let's say i'll give an example avas avas is growth rate is similar to bajaj but return on equity is much much lower but avas get similar kind of valuations compared to bajaj why because they have similar competitive advantage their growth rate is much long their consistency is much better and their competitive advantage is more tech savvy more technical and therefore high competitive intensity that they have versus bajaj so therefore they also enjoy similar valuation multiples like bajaj so these are couple of metrics that we generally go through apart from valuation these are softer aspects but these are more qualitative in nature but the better you understand them in a way the better you will be able to put the inputs even if you have a model and commitment from a manager is always very useful look at tesla lastly couple of thoughts i want to end with one is 
Okay, we have talked about violation multiples, we have talked about DCF methodologies and everything. But what we really see for the future? One seems very legible is in future, my growth in India will come down. Why? Because for every product and everything, my production and penetration levels will increase. And as higher penetration, the growth that you're enjoying at a smaller base now, at a larger base, the growth rates will come down. And there is a huge case of technology-based disruptions. Even for our good tech companies like FinTechs and Microsoft, who really don't know 10-15 years down the line, whatever computer advantage we are having now, whether we will be enjoy that or not. One risk that we are having is on the environmental risks. So people have tried to cover that through their ESG framework. So ESG kind of kind of investing. And you will see that the funds allocated to these ESG funds are increasing over the years. But if you look through these funds no, in ESG portfolios, they will have similar companies what you have for Nifty. They will have similar all these HDFC bank, they will have Infosys, all these same companies. And if I look closely, ITC, which is thought to be an ESG risk company, their ESG score is similar to HL. So that means then there is no way. The thought has to be going forward, how we really encounter this environmental risk in our models. Whether we should increase the discount rates where the environmental risks are higher. Whether we should increase the discounting or reduce the cash flows that technological disruptions may happen. Therefore, our confidence is much lower. And the last thought is risk premium of our country. So generally 12%, what is our cost of equity that is generally safe? Because market return is similar to that, right? 12% is the cost of equity, I assume. But India over a long period of time, let's say next 20 years, what will happen is India will emerge as to be a slightly better developing nation. The risk nature that we'll have, so we'll have higher amount of data, all the population will have better database about their nature, their credit histories, all their track records, their all analytics will give you better predictability for the population itself, which means the risk premium of the country may come down. If you compare now itself for last one year in pandemic, how has been the credit costs of Indian banks compared to global banks? That's not a big difference. The provision levels are not very different, which means that if I'm giving higher risk premium for India versus the developed nations, maybe somewhere down the line that should come down, which means my discounting rates will come down. If my discounting rates will come down for risk premiums, then my price to earnings or nifty or all these valuation multiples may go up that you have seen from 2018. So this dark, dark blue line is the price to earning of nifty. So you will see that from 2007, 8, 10, these price to earnings have moved up and up. Why? Because the risk premium of the country has come down. It has been better able to demonstrate various kind of frameworks various uh, government initiatives, the larger participation of the market, better representation of data, audit methods, higher corporate governance. There has been events, there has been many, many governance events, but still the transparency of financials are getting increased. 
which means my risk premium as a country may come down and therefore higher valuations. But again, what can disrupt is technology can disrupt, environmental risks can disrupt, and eventually growth will reduce. So then where we are heading to. Thank you so much, sir. Firstly, for that amazing presentation, as well as those things that you taught us about valuation. So I think that uh, we are done with the first topic. Thank you so much for that excellent presentation, sir. We really, really appreciate it.